The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. We've got a first-time starter on the show, and then we've got a gentleman that's been here many, many times. As a matter of fact, he was the former host of Winning Ponies. That person, of course, is Ed Meyer. And Ed's going to help us uh, break down some of the upcoming races. Uh, Still uh, putting up the graded stakes races at Keeneland. And uh, coming out of the gate, they've got one on Friday, which is the uh, Hilliard Lions Double Dog Dare. Uh, Then on Saturday, the... Rare mile and a half distance, the Dixiana Elkhorn, uh, and of course the richest race of the weekend is going to be the Charlestown Classic. So we're going to take a look at all those races, and if time allows, going to go all the way out to Los Alamitos for the Great Lady M. Our first guest is uh, Eric Hallstrom. Now, um, Eric is. Uh, taking us to a big, bold uh, world, as he'll be telling us about, uh, as far as reducing the takeout on races from Canterbury Park. Uh, he's been the vice president of racing operations there since 2013. Uh, he was employed there for 10 years, from 97 to 2008. Uh, went down to the fairgrounds for a little time, and uh, then I came back, he... Uh, Returned to oversee the implementation of the 2012 Joint Marketing and Purse Enhancement Agreement with the Shakopee Medwakatan Sioux community. And I guess he'll correct me on that name when we get there. But uh, he's a native of Minnesota. He made it back. He's another one of those uh, University of Arizona racetrack program graduates that we hear so many of them. So, again, the vice president of racing operations for Canterbury Park will be joining us. Well, I had some uh, big races uh, over the weekend, and I hope you pulled down your easy win forms. That's right, from winningponies.com. Starting on the East Coast, we had our biggest hit at Aqueduct, a $2 pick six, returned $13,254. Then coming across the country over at Mountaineer, had a $1 super that paid over 10000 down in warm Tampa Bay, $1 Super Key paid 6700 And keep going south to Gulfstream, a $1 Super 5 box paid 2542 Now, when you go to uh, Winning Ponies' uh, website, you'll be able to see all of the recent hits. They're updated as the week goes on, so uh, they legitimize the sheets that they're giving out and let you know where that they had uh, the, the best success. Okay, let's take a look at this week in racing. 
got some. It happens every year on the Derby and the Oaks uh, Trail. The horse everybody was waiting to see in the Kentucky Oaks, Songbird, will not participate in that race the day before the Kentucky Derby. Nothing career-ending, thank God. But uh, she showed a temperature one morning, and they got on it right away, said uh, Jerry Hollendorfer. Uh, but it just uh, is going to set them back in training that they're not going to be able to get her uh, to the Oaks. Uh, he didn't say when she, the daughter of Magdalia Dioro would be ready to resume training, but uh, they'll make sure she's in the best of health uh, before proceeding. Anybody that knows Hollendorfer knows that that's a fact. Now, with Songbird out, I hope to get to see her in person down the road. Um, I believe their intentions are to race her as a four-year-old. Um, the door is open because a lot of people were going to dodge that undefeated filly. So uh, other horses, I think as many as six, have changed their mind and reconsidering withdrawing their horses from the race. Probably the biggest headliner is Catherine Sophia, who uh, is now going to point to the Oaks. She finished third in the Ashland Stakes, you may recall, at Keeneland, going into that race being undefeated. They were thinking about going in the eight bells, but now they're saying that uh, they're going to uh, come back and uh, try the Oaks. They just feel that the Ashland wasn't her best race. Uh, and that uh, she's going to have a, a better shot for the big one, the Kentucky Oaks. Uh, let's see. Right now, they list 23 fillies as Oaks candidates, as many as only 18 can make the program. 14 only will be allowed to start, uh, and also eligibles list of up to four. So let's take a look now with Songbird out, who the qualifying points leaders are. Terra Promessa. 150, Lewis Bay, 130, Land Over Sea from the O'Neill Barn at 128, Weep No More, and Go Maggie Go are tied at 100. Then I'll just list them down real quick. Catherine Sophia, Moe Demore, Venus Valentine, Mocat, Rachel's Valentina, very popular horse, Royal Obsession, Dream Dance, Nickname, and taxable. So those, oh, I should say Paola Queen because Paola Queen is tied with taxable at 40 points. So that gets us up to 15. And again, things will happen in the next two weeks. You never know, uh, you know, who's going to decide to go in another direction. Well, we do know who's going in another direction on the Kentucky Derby Trail, and that is Cupid. Uh, he uh, ruled out the Derby for Cupid after his 10 place finish in the Arkansas Derby. He came out of that race with what's called an entrapped epilogatus and had surgery on Monday at Rood and Riddle. Uh, Baffert said he's going to head to Churchill Downs later this week, be based there for the time being. Uh, He's bringing a number of horses in for some of the stakes. So if uh, Cupid does recover quickly enough from the surgery, he could be pointed to the Preakness stakes, of course, the second leg of the Triple Crown. So the uh, Arkansas Derby was the last of the 34 races in which horses could earn points. We'll give you the result of that race just a little bit later in the show. As far as the the boys' point standings right now, just give you the top ten. Uh, Gunrunner, Nyquist, Exaggerator, Outwork, Brody's Cause, Creator, Lanny in from Japan, More Spirit, Mohamen, who had a really good workout the other day, and Danzing Candy. So 
that those are the top 10 in the points list right now as we look at the Kentucky Derby. So again, uh, Mohamed fired a, a bullet uh, the other day, looked awfully good, uh, went five furlongs and 59 and three, galped out six furlongs and one twelve and four. So Kieran McLaughlin couldn't have been happier. He called it a wow breeze. I really wouldn't call that a breeze. I'd call that a serious work. So Mo Heyman, off his uh, first defeat at the hooves of Nyquist, is uh, liking the Churchill Downs strip. Um, some bad news. Injury is forced. It's a knockout into retirement uh, after they discovered a fractured sesamoid in his left front leg. He's a four-year-old son, a lemon drop kid, and they're looking for a place for him to go stand stud. Uh, he uh, was in the maker's mile stake, cooled out fine, but the next morning things didn't look good. So uh, Jack Wolf, the owner of Starlight Stables, says they're going to retire him and He's going to be shipped to Windstar Farm, and they're going to shop around to see what farm would perhaps like to stand him at stud. Uh, moving along with uh, some more news, uh, the uh, champion mayor, Teppen, will tell you a little bit about her coming up. Uh, she has five late nominees to Churchill Downs Kentucky Derby Day Woodford Reserve Classic. And uh, why keep the suspense any longer? Uh, the reason was she just had a public workout in the grade one Jenny Wiley at Keeneland. It was so impressive. Uh, you know, she was last year's uh, champion, uh, winning the Breeders' Cup mile at Keeneland, going a flat mile. The Jenny Wiley was a mile and a 16th. Julian Leperu spent most of the stretch run looking over his shoulder to see if there was any competition. He won by five. So uh, Tappen looks like they're going to spin that right around and uh, go to the uh, Woodford Reserve Turf Classic. Again, it amounted to nothing more than a public workout. <clears throat> In the second spot was a, a French shipper by the name of Walika, and third at 37 to 1 was Illuminate. So that was the, the Jenny Wiley. Uh, also at Keeneland over the weekend, the Benali, if that's how you pronounce it, uh, it was uh, Brian Hernandez getting up with Eagle, who was going back and forth in the betting, ended up the slight two-to-one choice, uh, chased Noble Bird for most of the race, and then edged clear by about a length. A Noble Bird held on for second by a widening four and three-quarters lengths over 15-to-1 shot, breaking lucky. Then, as we came up to the Lexington, one of the last points races that uh, we had for the chance to get in the Derby, I don't think anybody coming out of this race is going to be going there, but we might see a Preakness starter. That's right. Preakness starter coming out of the Bob Baffert barn, Collected. They say that Collected will be going on to the Preakness. Now, uh, holding on for the second spot at 40-1 to one was one more round, and finishing third, making a late game, was Smarty Jones' third-place finisher, Synchrony. So, again, those were some of the races coming up from Keeneland. Also, I uh, want to thank uh, Mary Rampolini for being with us. Big day at Oaklawn Park on Saturday, and um, 
we had kind of said that the Arkansas Derby was a setup race with the closers chasing the speed, and that's exactly what happened. Hard to believe Steve Asmussen horse got away at 11 to 1, but it was Creator who was 12th and last, making a huge rally move. Uh, Creator last ran third in the Rebel Stakes at Oaklawn, so we know he likes that track, but uh, upset the favorite uh, Cupid at 11 to 1. In the uh, second spot, with a very strong finish, was sudden breaking news, the horse that won the Southwest Stakes at Oaklawn Park. And in the third spot was Whitmore, who finished uh, at 5 to 1 odds. Okay, uh, also at Oaklawn Park, uh, we had the Oaklawn Park handicap, and what a race! FNX put in. This is some kind of horse. He's going to have a heck of a season. Uh, James Jerkins trains came out of the Santa Anita handicap third against Melatonin. Melatonin led most of the race, but they got in the stretch, and it was a two-horse race with Mike Smith and FNX finally pulling clear of Melatonin, and railing from last was Point Piper. Well, you may recall there was a Friday steak, and we don't want to forget that. It was the Apple Blossom, sent away at 4-5, to five, former champion, untappable, made the lead very nice, kind of relaxed down the back stretch with Florent Giroux in the saddle, but all of a sudden, turning for home, they started to swallow her up. It was forever unbridled at 4-1, to one, who pulled away after an easy win in that Houston Ladies Classic. So Forever Bridal gets the top spot, and second was 19-1 to one shot Streamline, and third, Terra's Tango. So uh, that was a look at the races that we handicapped last week and some of the bigger races from coast to coast. So uh, now that you're caught up on, on all the news, we're going to take a little bit of a break, and when we come back, we're going to be going to Canterbury Park with Eric Hallstrom. You're listening to Winning Ponies. <laughs> school to the pros we, we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the triple crown breeders cup travers haskell or your daily races don't worry let winningponies.com make some money for you your internet flagship station for sports Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? 
Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, a first-time starter on Winning Ponies. It's going to be Eric Hallstrom. And, uh, again, just want to go over a little bit of uh, some of his, his background. Our current uh, position is uh, Vice President of Racing Operations for Canterbury Park uh, since 2013. But he was back there in 97 through 2008 before he went way down yonder to New Orleans to be at the fairgrounds for a little while. Uh, but he came back uh, to oversee the implementation of this joint marketing agreement, and he can correct me on this name, the Shakopee Midwakanton Sioux Community, uh, which has been uh, key in the track's existence uh, since it's open. And, uh, you know, a little bit of personal background. He grew up in Bloomington. He had sports passions as a young athlete, baseball and soccer, but... Uh, like so many of us, he started going to the racetrack with his parents and kind of got hooked. And he's one of the uh, many people we've had on the show from the University of Arizona uh, racing program. Uh, welcome to the show, Eric Hallstrom. Did I get most of that right? Yeah, it's, it's Shakopee, but uh, that was pretty good. Good try there. I, and everything else on there was was virtually correct, especially the part where First day that my folks brought, my mother actually was, brought me to the racetrack. The baseball career was kind of over at that point. There, there wasn't enough time to practice when you could go to the track. <laughs> well, that's what I like to know. You know, I, I like to introduce our audience to our guests because uh, to be in this sport, you know, it's, it's not just a business. It, it's a passion. So uh, from those younger years, uh, how, how did you get the bug and, and how did you finally decide to say, this is something I want to do the rest of my life? Yeah, you know, I went to, like I said, I, I was 16 years old when Canterbury Downs opened in 1985, and my my mother and my mom and dad were gamblers their entire life. They didn't know much about horses, but they, they loved football and different things, and I grew up around gambling, and my mom took me to the track one day, and, and she and I must have gone 30 times that first summer together, every weekend, and I, I went, went through college on a baseball scholarship, but... Uh, you know, halfway through that, I, I had figured that since I couldn't hit the exactas like I liked, I figured I'd better start working at a racetrack instead of trying to play them every day. And uh, that, that's kind of where it turned out. My mom pointed me in the direction of the University of Arizona and probably one of the best decisions of my life as far as a career path. And uh, it's really worked out from there. Now, did you play baseball at U of A's uh uh, team or was it another school before that? Yeah, I played in four years in Minnesota, and it was so. I was after my four years of baseball were over. I wasn't quite ready to graduate, and too many days, you know, running up to the racetrack and not enough studying. And I, I needed a little more schooling. And the, the University of Arizona's program was perfect for me. You know, for a kid who really wanted to be in racing. Well, uh, I've known so many people that have. Uh, uh, come through that program. I'm not sure who, who was there when you were there. I'm um, good friends with uh, Pete Aiello. I uh, was friends with Lou Kreitbosch and also a gentleman by the name of Pete Sellen. Were you in this area when any of those names popped up? You know, I didn't go to school with any of those guys. I, I know 
you know, I knew of Pete selling it, but um, Luke and I were friends. He he was right about the time I was, and and Pete, Pete Il and I are, are friends as well. You know, it's a it's a great program because it's almost like a fraternity in the sense that if you if you went through it, you you have a respect for your the other guys that, and gals that did it because you know why you went, which is because you're passionate about racing, and you know we all kind of stick together when we find people that we. We feel that same way about that. You know, they have that same feeling about racing. I'm not sure a lot of people know that Bob Baffert came out of there. Yeah, it's, you know, he's one. You know, Todd Pletcher. There, there's some. The, the alumni list is pretty impressive. You know, get rid of some some schmucks like me and a few others, and that thing would really <laughs> look great. But uh, there, there's some real talent that has come out of there. So uh, how did you dip your toe in the water? Did you go back to Canterbury since you were familiar with it and maybe made some contacts? You know, when I was finishing school, Canterbury was going through the worst part of their of their existence. And, you know, Canterbury Downs closed in 92. So when I was graduating from Arizona, the, the racetrack was closed. So I ended up working for a company that named Ladbroke who – uh, had some, had more interest in U.S. racing back then, but I was in Pittsburgh for a while and Toledo and and worked in Indiana and then got to working for Churchill Downs in the in the mid '90s. And uh, but uh, when a spot opened up back at Canterbury, I, I was lucky enough to get it. And you know that, that this is where they'll spread my ashes someday out on this racetrack. And I you know, it's really kind of an important part of mine and my family's life for sure. Well, I know they're going to spread my ashes at the quarter pole at River Downs because that's where most of my horses died. <laughs> that's, uh, you, you like the speed horses, too. That's what seems about where mine end up fading, too. <laughs> well, uh, if you would, I have never had the pleasure of going up to Canterbury Park. A good friend of mine, Tony Bentley, was, I think, one of the original announcers up there. Uh, he tells me that the women are awful pretty up there. But describe to me kind of your meet, your season, and kind of the layout of the track. Yeah, you know, Canterbury, we run a 69-day meet. We start Preakness weekend and end all the middle of September. Um, run Thursday and Friday evenings and then Saturday and Sunday afternoons. And, you know, we're a really unique place in that we still heavily promote and try to bring people out to the racetrack, which um, is is definitely unique in this day and age. And we've we've had some real good success. And, you know, last year we averaged almost 7,000 customers a day. Wow. Yeah, that's a good number now. And, you know, there's... The demographic is very young. Uh, there's plenty of females that come to the racetrack, and, and you know, the it's a really great thing. And they, they're used to buying hot dogs and beer. What they're not used to is is learning how to bet. And uh, the, we're still working on that piece. Our per cap is is quite low, but you know, the the solid part of it is that they support our business in many ways besides handle, and it allows us to do some of the things that we're trying. You know, as in this takeout reduction, that if we didn't have a, a real solid base with customers paying admission and solid food and beverage and different things like that, we might not be able to, to try to give a premium back to horse players like we are. Well, the headlines that came out on Tuesday uh, instantly made you the handicapper's best friend. And the headline was, Canterbury will have lowest blended takeout in 2016. 
tell our listeners why they want to be looking to Canterbury, whether they're there in person or at an off-track betting parlor near them. Yeah, well, and I, it's a, we're really, really excited, and the response has been, frankly, quite overwhelming as far as the support. And the, I can't say that we're takeout zealots, and we, you know, we've got this mission on Earth to change takeout, but what we do think is we know our own business pretty well, and right now we just don't have the inroads in the in the national market to to grow like at the pace that we wanted to. And obviously, we know what what most people are good horse players and, and have talked about, and that's a reduction in takeout. And with as I mentioned, some of that solid on track business, we have the opportunity to to try and market ourselves as as the horse players best opportunity and uh you know we've spent a lot of time this winter and i was on phones with with horse players i got in planes and went and met with them and you know the it was quite clear that the support that they we would get is there to give this a shot now we at this point our handle doesn't have the we don't have a liquidity in our pools to to support you know some heavy heavy play by some of these bigger players, but this is how we're going to try to get them and, and grow our pools and and come into the next level in terms of handle you know across the country. Well, you know it's interesting because I think when we people do come to the track for the first time and we've got neophytes and we get them there, they don't really realize that they're paying to play, and by taking off that percent, you're giving them more of their money back. Yeah, and I think in the case of you know Canterbury and whatnot, we're it's hard to explain to you know especially the newcomers, and I'm not sure, quite frankly, in what detail we're going to explain to the locals exactly what the premium is. But I can tell you that I know that they're going to feel it when they cash tickets, and I think in this case, you know, we're trying to expose our our local people to a really positive racing experience and. If an exacta paying a little bit more than it would have, you know, that they don't know about, hopefully they take that money and they turn around and, and bet it again. But if if they go and buy a hot dog with it, that's not a terrible thing for us either. And <laughs> we we have you know some ability to measure this by by just how we see the the reinvestment. And uh, in the same vein, I think there'll be you know racing racetracks across the country wagering platforms across the country who will get the benefit too because we're going to put more money back in their players hands too that they can they can go spread around the country well uh as you know eric the big players are well aware of this and if somebody's planning on making a larger bet they're they know hey i'm getting you know value here for this bet I'm making at Canterbury Park. And it's going to be very interesting, and I think there's going to be a lot of people uh, who are professional horse players or that just like to play the game on a regular basis that are going to start turning their eye towards your product. That is the only way this works for us. And, you know, one of the things when we that led us to making this decision over the winter was hearing from, you know, literally 15 to 20 good-sized players, some of the bigger players in the country who were flat-out frank with us and said, I've never been, never bet Canterbury. Your, your takeout isn't in my, you know, the, the type that I have normally played, and you run 
oh, you're up against some of the big tracks in the summer. And, you know, just for a variety of reasons, Canterbury was never on their radar. I can tell you to a person, and they all said that we would be if, you know, we went to this type of reduced takeout. But even more uh, positively, we're getting, you know, the phone's ringing off the hook and the emails are coming in and saying basically that same thing is, their their Canterbury handles going from zero to a major part of their day, and uh, you know we'll, we'll see what happens, and and we'll see how how that we can term this a success. But right now, I don't know that we could have been any more pleased with you know the reaction from the the wagering public. Well, I'm sure you've got the support of the administration. The one thing I always uh, knew and kept an eye on is uh, Randy Sampson that's involved with your organization has always been creative and looking for new things uh, to a, for people to have fun at Canterbury and B he's always been innovative. He's always been the curve. So obviously it's not like you had to fight anybody to get this. I'm guessing, you know, it was uh, about a 10 minute fight. (laughs) The, when I first brought up the idea to Randy, you know, he Randy's the, the best boss in the world, by the way. And, you know, he, he's heard me say it before, so this isn't any boot licking or anything like that. He, he's, <laughs> he's just a fun, fun guy to work for and, you know, makes, makes a racetrack really fun. But he also understands numbers very well. And there was, when my, I floated the idea, uh, it, it immediately didn't go the right way immediately. And as soon as I, I mentioned the part of, you know, stealing market share you know the the racing pie isn't expanding right now but you know if it is it's very slow and we need to we need to create customers around the country and i don't think we can do that unless we tried something bold but the fun part one of the fun parts of working at canterbury is that randy's not afraid of taking a chance either and you know there's there's some risk involved here but the the point comes back to with our racing program growing and getting so much better over the years in quality and numbers uh, now I think is the time where we can we can make a serious difference to to racing here in Minnesota and and then maybe be instructive to the industry down the road for what might what might work best for everybody well Eric Halstrom from Canterbury all I could say is I hope that you have been the start of a domino effect across the country, and I thank you so much for spending time with us on Winning Ponies. I know that our listeners are going to be happy to know about the takeout, and I think they'll be turning their eyes towards your product. I really appreciate you spending time with us. Yeah, no, it's all my pleasure, and uh, if there's everything I can do for you or any of your listeners, we, we answer the phones at Canterbury. Just call and let us know. <laughs> All right, I will. Okay, that was Eric Hallstrom. A big news from Canterbury Park that the uh, takeout is getting lower. That's better for the better. And talking about betters, I'm going to have one of the best betters I know coming up after this break, and that's the man I admire, Admire. All right, going to take a break. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move on. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. Crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. 
What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me right now, the man that handed off this microphone to me a few years ago, the one, the only, Ed Meyer. Steady Eddie, how you doing, my friend? How you doing this evening, John? I'm doing good. Well, I want to get your read on what Eric Hallstrom said. Not only uh, do you make a wager every now and then, but I know that you, as a former person of player development, uh, has seen the people in the VIP lounges do you think that they're going to maybe you know, flip the page and take a look at the Canterbury card now? I really do. I had a wonderful opportunity to meet Randy Sampson. Actually, Jeff Madej was, uh, was a young and up-and-coming uh, player on their team. Canterbury was on the cutting edge way back when. And I think uh, when you actually drop out the numbers for the, for the takeout, John, it, is, it only equates to greater value for the player. And when he touched on it, this one really touched my heart. It used to be about, oh, about 90% came on track. About 98% comes off track and from ADW sources. I think this is tremendous, and I think Canterbury is going to see quite a spike in handle. Yeah, and I've already seen comments from some of the guys uh, with the different horse player organizations, and they're they're definitely giving this uh, their, their blessing. And 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 like I said to, to Eric, you know, I pray it works because, as you know, we'd love to see this happen at more tracks around the country. Uh, you know, he brought up a great point about the racing pie, the numbers. This is well thought out. This isn't something off the cuff. And when you actually take away points or a percentage away from the takeout, this is going to be a long-term, I can't say investment, but this is going to be an investment project that they're going to see this through. It's not going to be an overnight success. I wish them nothing but the best because, John, if we can actually attract more players to the game, other tracks may follow suit. They may be a trendsetter in many ways. Well, uh, I, I, cer- I certainly hope so, as I already stated. Um, Wanted to check in with you. I know that uh, you were paying attention to the races last week. Let me uh, get your read on the Arkansas Derby and that rally from last by creator, uh, the other son of Tappet. Everybody thought the Cupid was going to maybe run away with it. Uh, But uh, creator from the Asmussen Barn overlooked at 11 to 1. That's a tad of a surprise, don't you think? In fact, it was, uh, but any time you have the, uh, the meat-leading runaway rider, Ricardo Santana, boy, for Steve Asmus, and you had to respect our good friend Pete Aiello, picked him up right about the uh, 316th pole and 
had him storming down the lane, very excited, very excited for Pete as well, did a remarkable job, had a great meet. But with creator John, I think we have a new player that's actually ponied up to the poker table. And this guy looks like he could be trouble down the lane. I could see uh, Mr. Santana, I, which I would assume stays aboard, angling out right when they get about the quarter pole for that long, as the old tra- trainers used to say, uphill run at the Churchill down stretch. And I could see Creator causing them quite a bit of a ruckus down the lane. Well, you know, we had a couple other breakout uh, performances uh, out on the West Coast, Exaggerator. Uh, looks like he's making his mark. Of course, his win in, in, in the last race at Santa Anita only complimented uh, favored Nyquist. I think Exaggerator really put on quite a show. And, you know, they were talking about if everybody's on the wet track angle, if it rains in Louisville on that day, I think Exaggerator is going to be about as tough as they, they possibly come. I'm really not completely sold 100%, but, boy, he is in my B-level tier runners. But there was a horse that actually you had mentioned to me who I really put to the top of my list is Gunrunner, and now I'm hooked on Brody's Cause. I mean, these two are my 1 and 1A of uh, where the Derby's going. And with Mo Tom back at the tables again, oh, my goodness, I'll tell you what, I'm getting more and more stoked for Derby 142 than ever before. Well, I, you know, and again, most of the horses that, that we just mentioned are, are you know, stout, strong uh, closers. Uh, with Cupid out of the race, um, I guess that puts probably Mohamed on the lead, uh, perhaps with Dancing Candy and, and with Nyquist not far away from them. I don't have the PPs in front of me, but it seems to me we've got, as always, enough horses that like the front that could set it up for one of these late runners. You know, John, what you're touching on was actually brought up in the Blood Horse, uh, a wonderful article uh, by Jay Keeler Johnson, the Keeler Man, and, you know, how fast will the pace be? I think it's going to be deceptively quick, and I, and I agree completely, but, you know, I'm not going to be the spoiler alert with this, but you have outwork, you know, with uh, coming from the San Felipe Stakes, you were talking about Danzy Candy, but I'm going to throw one out at you because I saw it in here, and I've been keeping up with the works as well as the rest of the world, is Mohamed. You know, you're coming off of a little bit of a bounce from Florida, more than a little bit of a bounce. You know, what kind of trouble is Mohamed going to be out there on the front end? Uh, we'll, we'll find out. He had a sensational workout. He loves Churchill. I mean, he blasted him in under a minute going five furlongs, and they said it was like one of those wow moments. Uh, he's only been defeated once, and that was by an undefeated champion. So, you know, hard to argue against the hard, hard to knock, isn't it? Yeah. Hard it, it, to it, knock. And, you know, I, I think it's going to be uh, a little quicker than we anticipate. I don't see a dawdling pace whatsoever. And, you know, with riders of this caliber and, and runners of this caliber, John, they will press the pace. If they, if they feel no pace presence, they'll become the pace. Yes, and, and as we uh, spoke uh, off mic, we know that there's a chance that any one of those horses we just mentioned won't even make it to the gate. Things happen these last two weeks. You know, it's, it, it seems like it happens every year. I, I, I would love to be wrong. It, about from now until that, those final crucial hours, it seems like there's a major defection. It's kind of like your favorite starting quarterback. You found out he's got a, a case of the cramps and he's not going to be able to make it. Uh, he's got one in his calf and he's not going to be able to make it to the field. 
it seems like each and every year, and it's already happened for the Oaks with the, the defection of Songbird, you know, going to be right. on the sidelines for just a wee bit. And it kind of takes away from the luster a little bit, John, but it's part of racing. And this, you know, there, there's no perfection to this. It's, uh, I think it's more art than science at times. And these, uh, these next week, week and a half here, Keep your eyes and ears peeled and read the rags and pay attention to all reports, especially when you talked about the workouts. I bet we'll have a major defection. It happens each and every year. It does, and you brought up Songbird, and that was the, the biggest uh, d- defection. Well, um, now that I got you, I know one of your favorite uh, places is uh, right down the road from your house, and that's at Keeneland Racecourse in Lexington, and uh, they're going to have a grade three mile and a 16th, the Hilliard Lions double dog dare on Friday, and uh, I guess the horse with the big target on its back is Ama Chatterbox, trained by Larry Jones, will be making her 2016 debut. She's won over $1.3 million dollars. Florent Giroux, who just seems to be in a zone of his own right now, gets the call. Is this race for place? You know, at first glance, John, you, you would think that, but at 3 to 5 on the morning line, and Mike Pataglia makes, makes quite, he, he is the, the gold standard of making the morning line. At 3 to 5, a little too short. I'd love to see her come back in fine fashion, but she's been all just a little better than six months since racing at Keeneland in the Breeders' Cup distaff. Actually was bet down very nicely, only beaten six lengths. But, you know, that little bit of a layoff. Now, we had some rain in the northern Kentucky area and in central Kentucky. So we're, we've got rain tonight. We're going to have rain to, a bit of rain tomorrow. And, you know, I think that that might play a factor just a wee bit. I, I like I'm a chatterbox, but I'm going to go ahead and try to beat the chalk. I'm going to go with number six. I think this would be an opportunity for, all, for the case you, you just stated. You know, it's a long time off. And I will say, though, A, unbelievable respect for Larry Jones, and B, she's already spit two bullets at Keeneland, and you know who's working out that, down there. Uh, does Ah Chocolate uh, look like the biggest threat? Uh, Eagle uh, won a graded stakes last week with Brian Hernandez in the saddle for Neil Howard. Uh, this horse uh, could be dangerous. It's only made ten lifetime starts, has over a quarter million dollars. That's the horse I like. Who's your upsetter? I'm going with Ah Chocolate, John. I, I, I concur. It's the second start for 2016, bringing her really along at, at just a, an easy pace here. You've got seven for ten in the money. You know, face some real bears along the race. She's very respectable. She's had a win over the Keeneland surface. And if you take a look, if, if weather is a factor tomorrow, that was a sealed, muddy track at Fairgrounds, which is, you know, can play deep at times. Uh, Neil Howard is bringing this gal right along, uh, a four-year-old uh, filly by Candy Ride, who I believe you love Candy Ride, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, and I do. I, I love the way our chocolate looks. But even to, to muddy the waters a little bit more, I like a 15-to-1 shot with Back in Dixie, Channing Hill aboard here, shipping in from Oakland. And if you take a look at that, going for six in a row. Now, claiming 25 is, is far cry from a grade three event, but six in a row, you have to take a look at it. And if you look at the last work on April 1 at Keeneland, works a bullet and goes right back out to Oakland and wins. Yeah, it's very impressive. And, uh, again, I'm sure trainer Ingrid Mason will be doing a little bit of a rain dance tonight. 
I think you're right. Uh, three starts on, on the wet going, two of which are winners, John. I, I think that really plays a lot in, into it. I guess, truth be told, it would not surprise me to see I'm a chatterbox just roll over this field like, like they're tied to a post. But if I, I'd love to see her run a beautiful second to either the five back in Dixie at 15 to 1 or the six Ah Chocolate, to which we both agree on. But I'm going to try to beat her right there just with a little reverse exacta. Okay, well, uh, let's uh, move on. Again, that race is going to be contested on Friday, if you're listening live, that's tomorrow. Um, then we're going to go a rare distance, a mile and a half on the turf. Interestingly enough, there are six horses in this field that have won at that classic distance, a mile and a half. Uh, I guess the question is, uh, is this going to be a rematch of the Mac? Demirdia, I always say that wrong, Ed. I'm sorry, against uh, no. uh, Tigan and the Big Horse. Those two guys have stepped in the ring together several times and uh, have taken uh, turns beating each other up. Um, I think that uh, other people are going to take a close look at Grand Motion trained up with the birds. Question is, making its 2016 debut First start back since November, but certainly is in good hands. Johnny V is going to be in the saddle, and this horse can spit out 100 buyers. You know, you touched on something right out of the gate with a mile and a half. It's something that we don't see every day. Matter of fact, sometimes we don't see it during the entire meet. But at Keeneland, they really run some unique distances, and this is a nice graded event. In my opinion, I believe a lot of this weighs in with the trainer and how they prepare and where they come from. I like up with the birds, a three-to-one. Johnny Velasquez, I was watching today from New York, and he actually schooled Irad Ortiz, who's a premier turf rider. Mm-hmm. And Ortiz was actually cruising up on the outside, thought he had it put away, and Johnny Velasquez noses him back out. I loved when John Velasquez is in the saddle. He's quite a competitor. Graham Motion's winning 31% at the meet, which to me speaks volumes. I, I love his camp. He can bring them off of the shelf uh, you know, with a well-measured time. But if you take a look at that last work, that kind of caught my eye. Seven furlongs, John. Now, you see a lot of runners in the morning. Now, how many seven furlong works do you see? You don't hardly see any. And, uh, yeah, in this case, that uh, workout at Keeneland was the only one at seven furlongs for the day. A minute and 34 seconds with the dogs out. I think it's an impressive uh, a clocking, to say the least. I say Grand Motion comes up, and, and if, if for some reason that the ground has a bit of cut to it, it now, the Keeneland, the Keeneland crew does an incredible job, and their turf course can take a tremendous amount of rain. But if there's any cut to the ground beneath that firm course, I think it weighs in up with the birds uh, in a big, big way. You're seeing yielding good, a good course, uh, another yielding. And every time up with the birds is knocking on the door. Johnny V in town only makes me want to double my bet up now. Absolutely. Well, it's going to be a, a busy day for uh, for Mike Maker because after he saddles uh, the big hoss, if he's at the Dixiana Elkhorn, uh, he's going to have to uh, get in uh, somebody's private jet and fly over to Charlestown. Now, Maker has the first and second place finishers out of the New Orleans handicap. Again, at Charlestown, it's the classic one 
$1,250,000, horses coming in from all over the place, um, horses coming in from San Diego, seven of the horses in, in this field have never even started at Charlestown, but to get back to the maker's story, Ed, um, he's either going to have a great day or he's really going to tick off an owner because he's got some marvelous winner of the New Orleans handicap in there against one of his top clients, uh, Ken and Sarah Ramsey with International Star that ran third in the New Orleans handicap but got put up through DQ. The one-two finishes of that race uh, out of New Orleans. It, it, it's going to be very interesting, but I also find it interesting, these horses coming in, uh, from the Santa Anita handicap, they either beat or finished right with FNX, who had a uh, sensational weekend uh, winning uh, the uh, Oaklawn Park handicap. All agreed. And once again, it sounds like, you know, we've done our homework right at the same table, and the teacher would have been having us both stand in the corner. Charlestown's having a tremendous card, John, and seven stakes races, capping it off with a $1,250,000 grade two event is incredible. They're going to have a little rain on Friday, but Saturday it's going to be in the 70s and sunny early on. I'm looking for a bit of a drying out track. I'm going to say they're going to get a bit of a rain. And where I'm going to go, and I like to call it the old Charlie Town Classic, I like Smarvelous. And you're getting 10 to 1 Jose Lescano and Mike Maker. And in fact, you were talking about the New Orleans Handicap, a grade two event. This is the winner at Big Balloons, 20 to 1 on that day, and stings them good. John, this six-year-old is going for three in a row. Now, you have to go back, and you're seeing very solid efforts from this gelding. Now, there's not a lot of graded action in his past here, but it looks like he's just good and fit at the right time. Les Cano would not be up there if he didn't have full belief. But I say Mr. Maker and Les Cano, they're going to team up here, and they're going to go three in a row. And if they do, it's going to be sweet payoff for Eddie Boy here. It's marvelous. Well, uh, kind of the mystery horse in here is Donworth. I think you've got to put a total line through the horse's last start because it, 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 while it was steady and ended up clipping heels, and uh, Mario Gutierrez just pulled the horse up. He's back for Doug O'Neill and Redham Stables. I'll have another and Nyquist connections. And uh, let's, uh, you know, if you put a line through that race, when he returned to the races this year, after a nice foundation-setting two-year-old season or three-year-old season, um, came right out of the gate with a 104 buyer. Can you put a line through that race and say, look out, Donworth could be dangerous? You hit on the comment line in, in full, full, uh, full effect, John. St- steady, clipped heels. You know what? Toss it. This son of Tiz now is about as tough as they come. This will be third off for 2016 for coming in. You, you touched on the buyer numbers, which there's a lot of fans out there that really hang their hat on, on the buyer numbers and the progression thereof. You can't, you, you'd be hard-pressed just, just to start knocking this animal and to say, well, Donworth, you know, I, I just really don't see the cut. I see Donworth at the right place at the right time. It seems like anywhere Doug O'Neill brings his, uh, brings his, uh, his, his crew, they're a major player. I have great respect for the barn. Mario Gutierrez, as you said, for the Redham stables here. Hey, I'm with you. Toss that last race. You're dropping down a notch. You're cutting back from a mile and a quarter. Hey, 
everybody has a bad day. I think Domworth, the pace setter, which I assume will be, I, I'm going to toss that last one, but I'm going to end up with Smarvelous and the other one out of the New Orleans handicap, which I see to be a, a really much of a key race, is international star Jose Ortiz, uh, the, the tandem of the, uh, of the Ortiz brothers from New York. The, Jose is, is a remarkable young rider. I see Mike Maker having a heck of a, heck of a day right in there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, to uh, go back on uh, International Star, uh, it, it's kind of a stalking type. He can make a big run, but hey, lifetime, 13 starts, 6 wins, 3 seconds, has won $1.1 million. Uh, I'm sure Mr. Ramsey's very happy about that, and I'm glad they're keeping this colt in, in training. Um, I just think that if, if I'm going, if you gave me 5 bucks to go to the window right now, I'm going to bet imperative. Mike Smith coming into town. Um, I really, you know, the horse just got beat by Hopportunity um, out at Santa Anita. Then California came back Crow, and Dortmund. Fire. But he finished with FNX, who really impressed me this week at Oakland. You keep coming back to FNX, and I like that. More so, I like anywhere where Mike Smith hangs his tack. And uh, if, if he's going to Charlestown for this day to ride the son of Bernardini, John, I love it. But if you go back to 2015, on March 7, 2015, the Santa Anita Handicap, you see Imperative runs a dawdling eighth place finish by 12 lengths, ships right into Charlestown and runs a beautiful second to some of the major players that are still right back. But if you take a look at that last race, it's the Santa Anita Handicap. Will they repeat themselves, and will Imperative come back to make good? Well, Moreno's on the sidelines. You won't have to worry about him. You've been in this chair before, Ed. we got three minutes to go. What the heck? Let's uh, go out west to uh, Los Alamitos, the Great Lady M. It's a grade two. Uh, Hollendorfer's got three in here. It looks to me like the, the winner's going to come from the inside. You've got one, two, three speed on the inside. This is six and a half furlongs, a unique distance. Fantastic style is two for two out of the Baffert barn and put in a really nice return off a layoff. I see fantastic style going to be four in a row, uh, and that's going from 2015. Second star for 2016, I see going to be a really nice effort. She won this race last year, John, on July 11th. It was the Great yeah, Lady M, a great day. two event. Won, won impressively on that day. I love the six. I am really tickled for six and a half furlong races. I think it's a rider's race. The trainer knows how to bring them with Bullet Bob Baffert. He, he, in my heart of hearts, he owns California, and you've got to run past Bob Baffert. And we couldn't ask for a better rider than Rafael Bejarano, who we both watched kind of cut his teeth. I see fantastic style, and the rest, the race is for place. Uh, well, good. Well, I, I hope we have great minds, Ed, because we do <laughs> think alike uh, on this. So, uh, again, that's going to be out at Los Alamitos, specific time at 529. So we're kind of chasing you all over the place because uh, the Charlestown Classic isn't going to be run until uh, 605 Eastern time. So it's going to be a long day of handicapping and having fun at the races. But what I like to do the most is handicap and have fun with my friend Ed Meyer, and I just did that. I thank you so much, Steady Eddie. You know I love it, and I uh, wish you best of luck. I know you're going to be back as uh, odds maker and race caller at uh, Belterra Park here in the week ahead. 
Yes, sir. And, and I'm really stoked and, and I'm pleased to be working for the good people of Belterra Park. And John, it, it's going to be, it's going to be quite an honor to come back for the third year and be around some really, really great people. And if you're out there and you're watching, hey, Take a look. I think the field sizes are going to be a little better. I think you're going to be really be pleased. And, John, I think we both agree it's a really, really nice little turf course they have in action there. Yeah, and they're going to use it more this year. I believe that the turf course routes have taken more of a hold. And what's great is what I already know is that they're going to be up 25% in purses coming right out of the gate. Well, the producer's banging on the window telling me i got to go. Ed, thanks for being with us. It's been a pleasure. Best of luck to all your listeners, John. Hey, check in with Winning Ponies. They only have $3 million in exotic payouts. Check them out. All right. I know our listeners will also read Ed's blogs on Winning Ponies. I want to thank uh, both Ed Meyer and Eric Hallstrom for being with us today. And remember, whatever track, OTB, parlor, wherever you are, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.